A word of warning. Be sure to lock your doors and windows before you go to sleep. <laughs> lock our doors and windows? Why? Because if you don't, the snow ghost will get you. <laughs> and turn you into ghosts. <laughs> Where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is my own father, Michael Brundine, in the episode that he has selected is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Season 1, Episode 17, That's Snow Ghost. Dad, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Ethan. I, it's um, Ever since you started the podcast, I've been listening to it and um, always thought, oh, it be, might be fun to do that sometime. Never thought you'd actually ask, so you are thank my... you so much. You're my one and only fan, so I, I had to get you on the show to discuss this cartoon that means so much to you and to me, our favorite little guy, Scooby-Doo. Yes. When, you know, you've listened to this show. I usually, when I remember, I usually start out by asking my guest to talk about their experience how they got to know our best friend scooby-doo you know did they watch it as a child that sort of thing and these are questions that i actually don't know the answer to when it comes to your experience with scooby-doo before i was born right um so the answer to that question is uh well <laughs> well many of your guests will be able to say that they grew up with scooby-doo I can say I totally grew up with Scooby-Doo because I'm just barely younger Mm -hmm. than our friend. Um, I think, what is it, 69? Starts in 69. 69 is is when it starts. And, of course, I was born in 72, so just a few years. I didn't even realize when I was a little kid and seeing the the Scooby-Doo Where Are You, the first series, um, that it was not... A little bit even older than I thought. Like I, I didn't realize that it was as close to my actual age. Um, so I did watch it when I was um, when I was a kid and uh, enjoyed it. It was always one of my favorite cartoons. Um, I remember when the um, the Scooby Doo show, of course, it repeated. It's Saturday morning, you know. Back then, you didn't have cartoons on all the time like you have now, or being able to stream them and find them when you wanted to. Um, we waited till you know. Saturday morning, and yeah. I think, I want to say, like, I know that Scooby-Doo was on ABC and CBS at different times, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as who was broadcasting them, and so, you, you know, I remember that, and I remember that it was usually, I know enough about this stuff now to figure out that it was kind of um, uh, probably the, the linchpin for yeah. programming, like in the way that, that uh, for years on NBC, the... The eight o'clock Thursday night sitcom was the popular one, and they right. were, you know, they would, they would try to make sure that people were watching at a particular time and hoping you were tuning in a little bit early to catch another show. And 
catch the one right after it. Um, and so, but every Saturday morning, wanted to wanted to see what the the gang was up to, mm-hmm. and um, and it was it was about like the nine thirty maybe ten thirty you know cartoon like it was the it was the big one everybody was going to be up yeah. by that point or had gone out and done whatever they were doing with the family and and could watch it. And what, then what else was a part of that Saturday morning? Like what? Like were there other cartoons that you would watch on Saturday mornings? Oh yeah, obviously there would be some that were on, but there would be other ones that you would look forward to or something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, always loved the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big fan of, of Bugs Bunny and Foghorn Leghorn and and all of those. Um, those were kind of, I mean, those that was a regular staple, and then kind of went away. And when I got older. Um, you would see them every so once in a while, not like you did when I was a kid. Um, I remember uh, Super Friends was a was a, a great cartoon that we you know we enjoyed watching. Me and my buddies. Um, I there was a <laughs> there was this this uh, cartoon called Thundar the Barbarian mm-hmm. um, that I really enjoyed, and I I don't remember all that much about it other than I, I remember that I liked it. I look forward to seeing it. Um, when I was really young, there was a, um, there was a Tarzan cartoon that just le- left an impression. I wouldn't say, I, you know, I'm, I must've watched it a lot, but, um, that's a character that hasn't really made it right. You know, going forward much, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, and then Spider-Man and his amazing friends, that was kind of the, after Super Friends, that was kind of the first. That was the first real Marvel cartoon that like took off that everybody was watching, and in you know everybody could kind of. You'd mention it at school or whatever, and people were like, "Oh yeah, I saw that one." Um, so those are some. Then there were others that I saw that I didn't care for. Like, I'm not a big Captain Caveman fan. I mean, I know you love the Smurfs. You're always talking about how much you love the Smurfs and things yeah. are so funny. Yeah, that they were great. They they are they're fantastic. Um, yeah, not so much, obviously. Yeah. Well, you're of the age where the only cartoons for you when you were a, a kid were Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Because by the 80s, they realized that they can make a fortune off of toys, so they start specifically making new cartoons and stuff. You know, that's where, like, your your Transformers and your He-Mans and stuff like that start churning out. But by that point, you would have been a little too old yeah. for that sort of thing. But, you know, in the 70s, it was literally just Hanna-Barbera and they'd, like, reruns of, like, Tom and Jerry or the Looney Tunes or whatever. Right. And then, really, I, you know, now that you say that, I, I never made this connection before, but it's probably it's probably the the drag effect of Star Wars. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I definitely remember wanting Star Wars figures and, you know, the the that was the first movie I can remember, like, trying to get my mom's attention. And when a trailer came on and said, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it was also the first movie that I waited in line for hours to see. Not the original. I don't remember waiting in line for the first one, but I do remember waiting in line in the heat because it was probably a May release uh, of The Empire Strikes Back when I was ten uh, ish, nine or ten, and um, two hours outside in the hot Texas sun. <laughs> but totally worth it. Movie was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but that's probably true. I mean that that I'm, I'm sure that's right. Because then you started having toys, and like the Smurfs had, there was all kinds of Smurf toys out there. It was just never my thing. But part of that was also, you know, starting to get to the age where I was going into, um, 
you know, you start to move into that fifth, sixth, seventh grade, it's going to have to be a pretty special cartoon for you to be yeah. still sucked into it. Yeah. Um, but Scooby-Doo has never failed, you know. When um, when I got to be older, you know, it was one of those things you would just see every so once in a while. And it, it was a touch point in the sense that people could talk about it. You know, you might mention something or somebody might say jinkies or something that, you know, a rut row is a thing that, that kind of always... Uh, is out there in the parlance somehow. Um, and then that would usually end up having a conversation with somebody where it's like, oh, what was your favorite episode when you were a kid? That kind of thing. Um, one of the funny things is, is that once I had children of my own, it was particularly the original cartoon. It was a it was a program to, that you you felt comfortable letting your kids see it. Yeah. You know, um, and and it was also something you were willing to watch. because you had memories of it you know yeah i mean i was just thinking about this i think like some of if not my earliest earliest memories are of scooby-doo because i remember specifically when we lived i both of these memories are from the house in brian's and when i was at the oldest four years old right Mm -hmm. um so i remember coming up to you during the afternoon and repeatedly asking you when Scooby-Doo would be on or if it was time for Scooby-Doo to be on. And you'd be like, no, it's not on TV until, you know, 3 o'clock or whatever. And naturally, I had no concept of time, so I'd just come back, you know, 15 minutes later or whatever and ask you again if it was Scooby-Doo time. And then I remember getting, for one of my birthdays or Christmas, a DVD with four episodes of What's New Scooby-Doo? And that was again in the house in Bryant. When I would have been very, very little. Oh, yeah. No, you were real little. Um, I mean, you're right. We moved when you were four. Um, and, and uh, you know, the What's New Scooby-Doo, up until Mystery Inc. came out here a few years ago, What's New Scooby-Doo is probably the best, you know, continuation or redo. Um, I remember seeing the, watching um, Zombie Island and Witch's Ghost and thinking, okay, Ethan's not ready for that. <laughs> Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, little. Um, but I liked the way that they had updated um, the characters and, and the way they were doing that. Um, that was kind of neat. The uh, One of the things you you probably don't remember is I turned 30 during that time. Mm-hmm. And because all of my friends had, all of my uh, adult friends had um, kids who were all, you know, in that same age range. They were anywhere mm-hmm. from uh, three all the way up to to you know, 10, um, since I was inviting them anyway and for my 30th birthday party, I figured why not have it like a kid's party, right? So that everybody could come and bring their, and so I, at my 30th birthday party was Scooby-Doo themed. And so like we, it was like, you know, it was like I was a six year old. We yeah. had the, had the Scooby-Doo wrapping paper and the Scooby-Doo tablecloth and the balloons and every, you know, the invitations actually got sent to the, um, we sent the invitations to the, the, the kids of yeah. our friends to say, hey, you know, Michael's having a Scooby-Doo party. <laughs> Come. And so got that's, a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff. <laughs> that's really cute. I didn't know that. Yeah. In fact, the, the Scooby-Doo that's up on the bookshelf um, that uh, at Christmas time wears the Santa hat mm-hmm. is, uh, is from that party. Wow. And uh, that's the last remaining thing from, from, uh, from, you know, almost 20 years ago. So, yeah, that's great. I actually say it would be more than 20 years ago. No, almost 20 years ago. You're not 50 yet. I'm not 50 yet. That's right. Yeah. Yet. My day's coming. (laughs) 
Well, that's great. That's wonderful. I had no idea about that. That is just adorable. Um, do you have a reason for picking this episode that we are going to discuss today? Well, as you know, um, I I suggested a few different ones, mm-hmm. and uh, and well, I, because I just kept shutting you down. I was like, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that, but it was. You know, I mean, when you say, as you say at the beginning of every podcast, from the vast universe that is Scooby Doo, and so my first thought questions were, well, what do you as the? Because I'm pretty comfortable with most of it. You know, I'm not a pup named Scooby Doo guy, and I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the of the Scooby Doo, and Guess Who, which mm-hmm. is kind of the I guess the newest iteration. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable being able to pick from wherever and wanted to be helpful, you know, in that sense. Where, where, uh, what in this could we do? Um, you told me we weren't doing movies yet, so we, so you know we stayed away from the reboot movies like uh, like Alien Invaders would have been a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you would need like a seven hour podcast. So, but, but, uh, um, and then when we narrowed it down to, to, uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Um, there's just a few that, that pop up and one of them, um, and maybe the reason why this one is, this one is my favorite title. Mm-hmm. As you know, titles well, are a thing we, for we me. We have to talk about this title. We yes. Go ahead. Share what you were going to say. Well, it's my favorite title because it's it's one of the few that's a pun. Okay, but here's or not the really thing. a pun. Here's but. the thing, it isn't. I would have agreed. I would have agreed with you for a very long time of my life. I would have been the same place. I'd be like, "That's no ghost. That's wonderful. Just clean, perfect. You know, like the perfect kind of, a, uh-huh, you know, kind of kind of joke, right? But it isn't." I found out a few years ago when I actually like watched it that it is that's snow ghost right the apostrophe s is there, which thereby makes it not a pun. It's they've chickened themselves out. That that's fair for those of you who are, are not following along very well at home because we've had this conversation <laughs> a lot of times. Um, obviously, in Scooby Doo, spoiler alert, ghosts not real. Right, and so the. So to me, the title forever has been "That Snow Ghost," right? Which which means that's no ghost. That's yes. no ghost, and that would be that would be clever and if funny. If it was that snow ghost, I right. would completely agree. But it's that snows ghost. Right? That's snow ghost, which yeah. is not anything. It means nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes makes no sense in either context. Yeah, really. What I've always thought was the best title. You've just ruined and said mm-hmm. it's now one of the worst titles they've ever had. Yeah, I'm just I you know I. You're speaking truth. I have to, you know, why else would I have a Scooby-Doo podcast if not to break this news to people? You know, I have to do it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, It is, It. I do think it is one of the more memorable um, episodes, not necessarily because of the ghost, uh, just because, um, you know, obviously it's not in the, in the pantheon if there is such a thing, you know, the Mount Rushmore of the ghosts. Right. You know, it's not the kooky space kook. Um, mm-hmm. The one, the first one that really scared me when I was a kid. Um, and, um, and nobody likes to talk about the, um, what the hex is going on. Everybody finds that one creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, you, I mean, even when they, you know, even when they did the movie, um, they didn't, yeah. Monsters Unleashed, you know, yeah. they didn't bring the snow ghost into it. 
Um, but I, I, it's certainly one that was on airplay regularly. Because um, even back then, there were some that you would see all the time and some you would rarely see. Um, you didn't see what the heck is going on very often, probably because they got letters. Yeah. You know, hey, that scared my kid. And, uh, um, but, um, but again, up until this moment was my favorite title. So now I'm going to have to go back to like, which, which is which. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm sorry to, sorry to crush you, but you know, all of those titles are like almost a play on words and also like almost rhyming, but aren't like, it is a, it is its own idiosyncratic, like, like naming scheme that doesn't really apply to anything else all of those things you know what i mean like what the heck is going on that's a pun right that's separate sure but if you look but like um a frightened hound meets demons underground right like we were just talking about like what is that That, nothing else would be named anything like that right but it it is a very quintessentially scooby-doo title you know it's true and it's something that they've kept going yeah um you know throughout various iterations there's this this weird alliterative a lot of times it's alliteration um and uh um you know mystery max mask mix-up mm-hmm. um that kind of thing the uh the, and, and it is i the titles are a big deal to me always mm-hmm. have been because as you know one of my pet peeves is uh, movie sequels or series where you're just doing the next you know like if you call it well fast and furious just came out mm-hmm. so when you call it, you know, Fast and Furious 17, right? I feel like you're insulting me. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to be able to give me a title that that clicks in, and because um, even if the it, it, and, and to me, I mean, it, it's just the way it should be, right? It, you're you're demonstrating an inability to either be clever or trust your audience to know, hey, what this is about, right? And um, and I guess you could say that Scooby Doo has never had that problem because they've they've hit upon this way of of titling an episode where right. where if people just heard the title they would go that's probably a Scooby Doo you know that that is not a Smurfs episode yeah to be sure probably not probably not um out of all of the episodes that you suggested to me I wanted to talk about this one because I I know that you are rereading the Maltese Falcon currently and that obviously is a is a bizarre aspect of this episode um, <laughs> that will come into play. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to that moment. But uh, but yeah, I did reread the Maltese Falcon, and I was reminded um, when I rewatched it. Uh, I already knew this, but it, it just jumped back out again. How because um, as you know, I've seen the Maltese Falcon several times. Big fan of of noir and that that type of, of story um not that this story is anywhere close to a noir because it's not yeah. but it certainly has this sudden homage for yeah. lack of a better word to, to these two random figures from uh from the movie and uh but again i guess we'll talk about that when we when we get there or are we talking about that let's now? go ahead let's get into the episode um so this is the season finale of the first season of what uh, Scooby-Doo Where Are You first season of Scooby-Doo ever it premiered January 17th 1970 you were not yet born I was not against all odds um, and then uh, as you know I like to 
collect some news stories that might have been going on around the time in order to help put us in a time and place and, and you know, get us in the proper headspace to enjoy this piece of media as would be, you know. Like, um, if you were to watch All the President's Men or something like that, it's important to know that, oh, well, Watergate is still fresh on the minds of everybody watching this and right. everything like that, so I like to... Um, collect those sorts of things. For instance, in January of 1970, um, Gaddafi is appointed premier of Libya following a forceful coup, of wow. course, um, which I think really um, you can find in the text here and is really shining through. Definitely, definitely, a, a, if not a pretext, a, something in the deep context mm-hmm. yeah. Of, yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, other things that were going on. Walter Cronkite uh, no longer is hosting his weekly documentary series. He has announced his end from that. Um, wow. Willie Mays is named the player of the decade for the 1960s, because we have just come out of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what are your thoughts on our pal Willie Mays there? Well, um, my understanding is he's a great ball player. I'm... Baseball is not my biggest thing, but he's one of those names that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know any reason why he wouldn't have been player of the decade. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't have any thoughts on that. Didn't you like. Didn't have any thoughts on that in utero. That's um, which absurd. hadn't happened yet either. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, uh, he he's popular enough that later on, when Major League is a movie, mm-hmm. right? Willie Mays Hayes is the name of a character. That's right. Yeah. And then finally. The soap opera All My Children premieres on CBS. Now that is something that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, it was on for forever. Um, I would have thought that it premiered even earlier than that. But, yeah. uh, but you know, the crazy thing about a soap opera is the way in which they keep telling the same story mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. It's very Scooby-Doo-esque, you know? And, but... Scooby-Doo outlived all my children. That's right. What's the only one that's left? There's like two that are left that are in, that are in English, right? That's um, like, it's like, is Days of Our Lives still going, I think? I, maybe. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, based on... I, honestly, I haven't looked to see if the Soap Opera Digest is there at the grocery store line. Yeah. Um, and that's where you would where you would know that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at one point... At one point, General Hospital was still happening... Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Fair enough. Were you an, an All My Children fan? Can't say as I've ever watched more than, you know, a fleeting seven or eight minutes because it was in, in the, the, the doctor's, doctor's office, you know, waiting for, the, waiting for an appointment or something. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Uh, let's get into that. That's Snow Ghost. Not that Snow Ghost. Um, we open with a very atmospheric opening of the the white timber wolf howling over the the iconic Scooby-Doo score as the uh, as yes. we see these massive footprints leading up to the snow ghost right strikes fear into your heart hearts of all men watching this film absolutely yeah just yes it does set a it does set a certain tone mm-hmm. this one's going to be more serious yeah um, and, um and yes, anyone could say that it is. This is the most uh, uh, gritty and and hard, you know, hard edged episode of 
Scooby-Doo that they've ever made, I would say. Yes, yes. Some some might say that. The um, I'm not going to, but some might. The uh, I I was just thinking about the fact that it there's there's almost um, um, backgrounds or locations. Mm-hmm. Um, there there's there's some that always keep coming around, mm-hmm. um, and one of them is something's happening during the winter. Yeah, and that's great. <laughs> and, and for whatever reason, they they went, hey, they should go on a ski trip, or they should they need to be in the snow. You yeah. know, this time. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, makes more sense than the episodes that are in the swamps. Right. It's like, what are they doing in a swamp? Why are they near a bayou? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I've begun to think that Fred is simply a terrible, terrible driver. You know, maybe <laughs> if they let one of the other three able-bodied, you know, people drive the truck, they wouldn't get lost and have their car break down in the absolute worst places. You know, certainly, you know, these days your phone tells you where to go and everything like that. But my understanding is, is that if you were back in the day, you know, you can you can attest to this because you're an old man and everything. But um, back in the day when you would have been setting out for a cross-country trip, you would probably have made a plan on your little atlas or whatever, you know, this is where we're going to go and things like that. And had a contingency plan for what if the car breaks down, right? You'd have yes. something in your trunk, maybe tell somebody where you're going in case you don't arrive, that sort of thing. Right. That Cash. would be necessary. Right. 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 And and so our solutions here are either that Fred is, as you say, the worst driver navigator in the history of driving, mm-hmm. or they have the worst travel agent to yeah. ever work. Well, I think because that, like yeah. they're on the way to this ski lodge and it is clear that they are like almost the only people there yeah. and it's in the middle of nowhere. No, you're right because they arrive at the Wolfson Lodge which as they say even sounds like a wolf because they hear the white timber wolf in the background or whatever and it's completely run down and terrible and like you know Daphne complains and Fred's like well it's not ideal but this is the only one we could find and it's like what do you mean? It's the only ski lodge in the in the country that you could find? Clearly you don't like live nearby. You drove here, you know, because right. like, I don't think Coolsville's on the coast. Clearly, there's not a lot of ski lodges on the coast, right? Right, and and we don't really know. Um, this is one of those episodes where they don't really give us any sort of of geographic bearing. So yeah. we don't know if they're in Colorado. Have they gone to Utah? Are yeah. they in, you know, are they in the Tahoe area? Are they up in the Cascades? Have they gone to Canada to go skiing? We don't know. Yeah. All we know is they've picked a horrible place to stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think Shaggy refers to it as being, like, furnished by Dracula or something. Like yes, that. yeah. Like, because it is does not look very comfortable. Um, but they look pretty comfortable because they've got their... their winter variant outfits on. that's right that are that are color coded in a way mm-hmm. that we all know yeah you know everybody can recognize them right off they all got their warm hats and shaggy's got his adorable little earmuffs on all the time yes yeah the only person who's not really been dressed for the cold is scooby-doo because yeah. they just assume hey he's got fur yeah they never ask him anything right. <laughs> um, um but once we get into the wolves and lodges where we meet our um secondary characters for the episode uh, Mr. Greenway and right. Mr. Leach, who are inexplicably pastiches of Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Lorre, right? Who, who are the villains 
in uh, two of the villains in the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney Greenstreet plays uh, a rather large person named Gutman, mm-hmm. and um, and Peter Lorre plays Joel Cairo, yeah. um, who is a who's scary because he's foreign. Yes, yes, and perhaps of you know some sort of uh, either Middle Eastern or or oh no Jewish yeah. you know yeah. uh, background, but. Uh, um, and to be clear, that's their issue, not ours. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're like you say, they're pesty. I mean, they're exactly. It's very clear, very quickly. That's who these two guys are supposed to be. Yeah. And and whoever's vocalizing them is is capturing the the sort of yeah. thing that Peter Laurie does and the <laughs> thing that that, yeah. that Sydney Gurney Street was. Well, I mean, that's very specific because they find everything incredibly funny. They have a diabolical <laughs> laugh after every single sentence, right. no matter what it is. Right. And uh and and then of course right at the after they've checked in and they and and the other character comes in to, you know, deliver this briefcase. Mm-hmm. Um the last thing that he says to them is make sure all your windows are shut tonight mm-hmm. or the snow ghost will come get you and turn you into ghosts. And then he starts laughing. Yeah, and yeah. so my question is, how long would you stay at this place if the proprietor's immediate thing is, hey, be real careful you don't get murdered tonight. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, nope, I'm not- driving down the road. You know, yeah. sleep in the van. <laughs> it is not an ideal situation for sure. But, you know, he does He does tell them to lock their doors or whatever. You know, It's true. He's, that is fair. He's giving them good advice because nobody wants to be turned into a ghost by the snow ghost. Uh, that, that Sounds like a grisly fate to me. Um, Absolutely. I think that whomever is doing the voice has a much better Peter Laurie than he does a Sydney Greenstreet. Um, the Greenstreet, he's got the laugh down, but the voice is not very. Um, yeah, but his Peter Laurie is spot on. Good, but the Peter Laurie is really good. Yeah, really that's good. true. That's um, true. I don't. I can't figure out why they did this. I don't know why. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like this thing where, like, hey, if you're watching, if you're a kid and you're watching it with your grandparents, they're going to be like, oh, I, I know those guys, yeah. you know. Um, maybe it was an early. Um, well, no, because the Scooby Doo movies where they actually had quote unquote famous people, right, um, was much later. Yeah, and so uh, it's not like they were testing out that concept. It, yeah, and it's the in the first few see like in that series Scooby Doo, where are you? It's the only time really that I can think of that that they that they do this. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really have another time where where it's so clearly, hey, we're basing this off a real person that everybody's going to know. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It 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 is very much an outlier. Um, I guess it's a welcome one. Like, it, I I think it's fun. Yeah. Know? Oh no, it's definitely fun. It's definitely fun. Um, maybe it was just meant to be some sort of weird foreshadowing. Could be. Who knows? Um, Shaggy follows the advice and, and you know checks the window only to find the snow ghost is right outside. Um, and this is where we get... So, here's my question. You are a pragmatic person. You like right. to think practically. Yes. You've just been told there is a snow ghost out there. Right. So lock your doors and windows. You go to the window to lock it. You lock it. 
You see the the, the said snow goes directly outside your window. Mm-hmm. Is your next move a lock your door and stay inside until the snow goes leaves, or b what the gang ends up doing, which is immediately run out of the building into the snowy wild where the snow ghost is waiting to turn them into ghosts. Me, I'm shutting the door and staying in the yeah, room. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Because uh, I really don't get the... Uh, if we were running out of the building to then get in the car and drive away, mm-hmm. again, now you have two clues. One, the proprietor of the place has warned you and laughed about your potential death. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you've seen the creature. Yes. Um, so... I might think to myself, okay, what, what are my odds of getting to the car and getting away from here completely? Barring that, I'm staying inside the building. Yeah. Um, what I'm not doing is thinking to myself, let's go out there and see if we can find that thing. Let's get, the, let's wake the girls up. Everybody climb on Velma's back and run out. <laughs> and out run, run out into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and see what we can, what we can dig up, what we can figure out, you know. Um, as they're running out, we do get a gangway, a, long, a gangway, which almost became a catchphrase because they do repeat it several times in this first season. Mm-hmm. But then they, it doesn't really come back again. Yeah, it, it didn't really stick. It is almost a, uh, a, a jinkies, but then didn't pan out. Um, they do chase the, the ghost outside. They're, the ghost is gone. Right, and they, they see the, see the massive footprints. So they get in their snowmobiles. I don't think that they paid for these snowmobiles or anything, but, you know, they're gassed up. So might as well take them. Right. Um, Clearly they were there for this purpose. Yeah. <laughs> they, chase the, they chase the snow ghost's footprints along until they, um, they almost drive into a massive chasm. Right. Like, when they stop... They're right on that like, precipice. Literally half of their their thing is hanging out. And uh, and Shaggy says, you know, if he did go that way, he better watch out because the first step is a doozy. Right. Classic joke. Very funny. Um, but now we see the snow ghost reappears. And this time he knows how to fly. Yeah. And, and Fred says, and he can fly. And my first thought is, well, it's a ghost. Like, how often do we not think of ghosts as being able to at least float? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it is an inelegant flight, I would say. He just sort of is standing, and then all of a sudden he's... Moving toward them. Moving yes. towards them. Yeah. He's yeah. A, it's a large creature. It doesn't look very comfortable in the air. Right. Um, they follow him to a clearing where he has vanished again, but there's a cave with a light coming from inside. So naturally, they order... Scooby-Doo to go fast, to go first. Right. This is one of the few times where they, every once in a while, they treat Scooby-Doo like he's a dog. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of them. Well, Scooby yeah. protests and they say, oh, don't worry, you can run the fastest if he's, if he is there. And it's right. like. And then you get, you get the class, which, which was, A, is not true because Shaggy actually is probably the fastest. incredibly fast, yeah. <laughs> but, but the, uh, but the, but you get one of those classic bits that they do where Scooby-Doo now comes back you know, on a hospital bed, who knows yeah. where that was sitting, mm-hmm. you know, and has his leg in a cast and, and whimpering. Like, yeah. up, up, see, I can't possibly do it. Yep. Uh, and, and then, of course, they bribe him. 
<laughs> yeah. And he turns into a giant snowball on accident and slams into the side of the cave and utterly fails at the task, but they interpret this as, oh, the snow ghost isn't there. It's okay. It's safe to go. Right. right. So they go into this cave, which is full of East Asian, Mongolian, perhaps Tibetan, various tchotchkes and, and, and de- decor and everything. Yes. And yes. I, I took very careful note of this because Shaggy says, it looks like we are in Chinatown. To which Velma corrects him. Velma. Genius Velma. Corrects him and says, This stuff isn't from China, Shaggy. It's from Tibet. Yeah. And she is certainly incorrect about this. Because it is the answer is it is both. Tibet is a part of China. Yes? Well, the... One question would be, is in 1969... Yes, that's my point. Like, obviously, yeah. now we know that they are separate, that they prefer to be considered a separate entity and that they have their own culture and everything like that. But certainly in 1970, well, I mean, Tibet would have still been... From a China. boundary standpoint, it was part of China. Um, you know, Tibet is... I, I don't know... I don't know enough about the history of that. Right. Uh, Tibet is like Taiwan in some regards. Uh, they, Taiwan yeah. has the benefit of being across a little expanse of ocean. Yeah, whereas where Tibet, is, Tibet is just... And China demands that they remain part of China even though they don't want to be. Right. Yes. But um, still, it is not... But, it, but in like, some way it's like saying... Chastising, she's basically right. chastising Shaggy and calling him a dummy when yeah. it, he... Yeah, it would be like uh, it'd be like if somebody's saying, you know, this looks like it's from uh, like Native American artwork, mm-hmm. yes. and saying, hey, this looks like it looks like we wandered into Nebraska, and somebody said, no, 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 this is this is Kansas. Yeah, you know, exactly. It feels like that, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I, I will say they did a pretty good job. Like, it's held up pretty well in the yeah. sense that they don't really, by our modern sort of way of thinking about things, uh, they don't mishandle yes. the characterization of of the Chinese gentleman or I mean, the Tibetan gentleman. I mean, he certainly gentleman. is not voiced by a person of that of that descent. But yes, Scooby-Doo has a uh, has a rocky history of depictions of people of Asian descent. This is one of the less um, violently offensive of them. Yeah. If you look and- at the Mystery Max Mask mix-up, 100% Horrible. does not stand up, um, is a big yikes. But this is just a brief period in this episode and is ultimately harmless, I would say. Right, right. Um, but then again, if we were from Tibet, it may bug us. Sure. So. I mean, this this guy does show up and inform them that they are in the temple of Fulan Chi. Mm-hmm. Why it is in this cave in the middle of nowhere, who knows? But, you know... What are you going to do? You but know? it's it's got everything you would imagine that the Temple of Fulanchi would right. have. I do appreciate the attempts to give this villain an interesting backstory, which is generally not on hand when it comes to like, oh, there's a there's a crocodile monster in this swamp. Okay, that's where the crocodile would be. Like this time, they they sit down and we are granted to a flashback from this gentleman mm-hmm. as to how the snow ghost came to be because he says that he is the one that the snow ghost seeks right right so he uh, at some point was in tibet and was you know 
camping out in the snow by himself with his pet wolf, uh, the white timber wolf. Um, and then the snow ghost comes along and he runs away from it, jumps across a chasm. And, and the, it's not a ghost at that point. It's true. It's That's just a yeti. yeti. It's just a yeti. Yeah. Um, because he notably cannot fly because what happens next is hysterical to me in the timing of it in the episode is that the snow ghost attempts to jump across the chasm to meet him slams forcefully into the side of the wall and falls to his presumed death right right um and just the what the manner in which it happens just made me burst out laughing it was i i mean i guess i could be more sensitive to the plights of yetis or whatever you know he is dying in this instance but it just was it's a good sight gag. It was very funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then somehow inexplicably it doesn't create an avalanche that then carries, you know, the the monk yes, down the, yeah. the hill as well. Um, the, uh, the timber wolf shows back up again and is angry with Scooby-Doo for taking his bone. Right. The, the wolf is an interesting, another interesting runner in this episode. Lots of weird things are kind of plugged into this, this storyline. You know what I mean? Between the Maltese Falcon thing and this temple of Fulanchi and oh, there's also a wolf who's just kind of hanging out and is like a thing you know it's right. just interesting I, I always wonder what the writers are doing you know Scooby-Doo uh, of course nice little side gag rolls the bone out on a tongue that's impossibly too long yes. and drops it on the wolf's nose yes yeah. <laughs> which doesn't seem like the, the smartest move even for another dog but yeah. uh but uh, and then of course we get the classic <laughs> kind of you know giggle that Scooby Doo yeah. does because he realizes oh I'm I'm the one who has the bone. So they go back out to follow the tracks again. Yes. And they discover that the tracks are full of sawdust. Right. And for literally my entire life, I've never once been able to parse or understand the joke that Shaggy makes after this. They see the sawdust in the in the in the footprints, and Shaggy says, "Sawdust? Well, maybe he works in a meat market." I don't understand this joke. It means nothing to me. But like, they play the laugh track, so clearly this is a joke that I'm supposed to understand yeah. as a adult from the 1970s. Do you, as an as a person with more world experience than I do, understand what this joke means? Well, I had never paid attention mm-hmm. and to that. Um, I right before that I think is when uh, Daphne says, What do you what do you think of the story that we were just told? Uh-huh. And Fred of course says, Well it's the only one we've got to work with right now. Yeah. Um, which is a fair <laughs> which is a fair thing. But so this time in rewatching it I was like I, like you, I suddenly went, Wait a minute. That that they played the laugh track this is supposed to be funny so i googled it mm-hmm. and apparently uh sawdust was routinely used in meat markets and in slaughterhouses to as a as an absorbent on the floor oh, to, to soak up blood. blood and grease and that sort of stuff uh to make it safer for them to walk around on so uh if you knew that then it's a it's not the best image, joke, yeah, but it's a similar image of, yeah, the, the of, the, the, of the Yeti inside of, you know, behind the little white counters going, yeah. hey, you know, uh, inch thick on the ribeye, or, or were you thinking, you know, right. we're going to interest you in the in the uh, sausage that we made last month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. 
I mean, who am I to chastise Shaggy? He clearly got a whole audience full of people to laugh at that joke. Well, I think I would, yeah, right. The live audience clearly that was there. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I, I always, I guess, just kind of went, oh, man, and then he's thinking with his stomach again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joke didn't have to make sense. He's just wanting food. Stay tuned. More of Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Coming right up. Right. I think that's as good a time as any to pause and take a break and play a little game. All right. Because I know games are your favorite thing. You love the games. I do love the games. So now you get to play one, Dad. It's time for Scooby or Not Scooby. This is a game where I'm going to read you some titles. Some will be titles of Scooby-Doo episodes. Some will be titles of something else. Okay. The theme for this week's game Mm -hmm. is, is it a Scooby-Doo episode or is it a film starring Peter Lorre or Sidney Greenstreet? Okay. All right. I only know a few of those, so that's going to make this a little more challenging. Number one, Mystery in Persia. Well, following our, our logic that we used before, it's not particularly alliterative, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't, usually there's something that gives you a feeling for what, uh, who our, 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 our ghost or, or mm-hmm. creature is going to be. Um, and it, it sounds like an RKO Pictures kind of title from mm-hmm. back around the 40s. So I'm going to say that is a movie that starred one or both of them. Oh, I'm so sorry. But Scooby and the gang, along with Genie and Babu... Oh, wow. <laughs> ...help a prince battle the evil spirit that was let out of a bottle. But who did it and why? Okay. <laughs> so, well, I'm over, over one. Well, yes, it is, it is maybe the laziest title they've had. So, so much for logic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> maybe I'll just go for guesswork. <laughs> yeah. The Boogeyman Will Get You. That, I'm going to say, is also a Scooby-Doo title. That is a film starring oh, good uh, Lord. Peter Lorre, <laughs> a young divorcee, divorcee, tries to convert a historic house into a hotel despite its oddball inhabitants and dead bodies in the cellar. I believe that. Wow. Uh, I believe that Vincent Price is also in that one. Okay, we're over two. You are over two. That's fine. You're relishing this. You got time to come back. It's all good. <laughs> the Hand of Horror. Definitely going to be a movie with uh, the two of them. You miss, you miss, um, you forgot your alliteration rule there, Dad. Oh. A hand of horror. This is a Scooby and Scrappy Doo episode where they are running away from a disembodied hand. That's the entire plot of the episode. Wow, kind of like um, was it Thing in the Adams yep. Family? Mm-hmm. There was a time where the disembodied hand deal was uh, was a sort of a regular right. thing. Yeah, you don't see that as much anymore. Where, it's true. I guess because they figure people will just stomp it with their foot. And yeah, it's not. The, I'm sure it happens in some like one of the scary movies or whatever is lampooned, and then it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. No longer good. All right, over three. You know this is killing me to lose so much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know. <laughs> the beast with five fingers. Really good at this, by the way, picking, picking things. Okay, so 
I'm still going to go with a movie. This is a movie, Dad. Yes! And, get this, locals in an Italian village believe evil has taken over the estate of a recently deceased pianist where murder has taken place. The alleged killer, the pianist's severed hand. Wow. Mm -hmm. There it is. Mm -hmm. Again. Yep. That would be why it had five fingers and not ten. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The Comedy of Terrors. The Comedy of Terrors. What? That, that's just weird. Like the Comedy of Errors. Right. The Comedy terrors. of Terrors. Um, okay. So with that in mind, I'm going to say it's a Scooby-Doo episode. It is not. This is oh, another no. team up between Peter Lorre and Vincent Price. An undertaker who hasn't had any customers in a long time is forced to pay one year's back rent. To get money, he starts to kill people, which brings absurd results. Wow, it's kind of a little house of shor uh, horrors kind of, mm -hmm. a little shop of horrors kind of feel, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's where the guy's feeding his, his uh, plant. Right. Or uh, or even, I guess, maybe a, a Sweeney Todd kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, huh. Wow. Almost ghosts. Scooby-Doo. That's a Scooby-Doo. Yes. Uh, that is from... Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue, which is the one where there are no ghosts. But in this one, they bring back Fred, Daphne, and Velma to help them investigate what they think might be ghosts. And they're but almost they ghosts. robots, in fact. So, there you go. Um, okay, you got two left. Okay. Between Two Worlds. It's very romantic sounding, mm -hmm. like uh, like ships passing in the night. Um, I'm gonna call that a movie. That is a Sydney Green Street movie. Passengers on an ocean liner can't recall how they got on board or where they are going. Soon it becomes apparent that they all had something in common. Wow, that uh, I said like ships passing. How about that? Mm -hmm. huh? yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, so that's got like a Twilight. It does zone sound kind of. very much like the Twilight. Yeah, zone. yeah. sounds good to me. I'm gonna watch that one. That does actually sound like it would be a, a good premise. Last one. The Man in the Mirror. Film. No. Ugh. A man in a mirror kidnaps Fred and takes him to a world where the planospheric disc destroyed all of Crystal Cove. Meanwhile, the gang encounters a strange Fred who's not what he appears to be. Is that a Mystery Inc.? That is a Mystery Inc. episode, yeah. It's my fault for not watching the whole series. Oh, well, there you go. If you had, you would have gotten that right. I would have gotten that one right. Instead, yeah. I was like three for eight, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. All right. That's fun. You can redeem yourself. When it, it was fun. To, to Jinkies or Stinkies. It was fun. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, now whenever you mention that you, you've listened to the episode and you're like, well... The game was fun, but I could have done better than that guy. Obviously, it's not true. Yeah, I'm just saying. Just letting you know. <laughs> I'll just always say, that guy did really good. That guy, that gal, they did great. <laughs> I, I'm awful. <laughs> it's a lot. I will say this. It's a lot harder, mm -hmm. like most games, when you're the one in the chair. It's true. Because when you're the one not in the chair for whatever reason, you know, you, you, you're more in the flow of the universe or something, and you're able right. to. Well, pull also, this you're off. not, as you get each one wrong. 
You're like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to get this next one. Bro. Right, that's be true. Fool twice in a row. That's true. That's Even true. Though. Even though that is exactly what just happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mystery fans, hold on to your ghosts, because here come the spookiest, most spine-tingling tales ever to chill a bone. Delight and fright, shiver and shake, quiver and quake. Watch Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Back to the episode. They follow these footprints to a sawmill. Right. Daphne says it looks more like a scare mill than a sawmill. Mm-hmm. She should leave the jokes to Shaggy, I think. I think that is not a great joke. Well, it's true. You know, the, uh, the problem for Daphne, of course, in the early episodes is what do they do with her? Yeah. You know, um, that's why usually she's the one that gets kidnapped. Well, that's the fun, that's the fun thing about uh, that's it. An interesting thing about Daphne in regards to this episode is this is the final episode in which the original voice actor, Stefania Christofferson, voiced Daphne. After this season, she was forced to go back to Russia for unknown reasons. Unknown reasons? Forced by... I don't know. We don't know. But um, I've heard rumors that she was somehow related to some sort of family of a czar at some point obviously 1969 there were no czars in, in right. charge in russia but she was somehow tangled up in a in an in international sort of intrigue it's a mystery situation. exactly really exactly. Yeah. i mean so that makes when you think about this that is two mysteries mm-hmm. associated with voice actors of scooby-doo mm-hmm um, her name was Stefania Christofferson. So Stefania Christofferson, who um, we don't know why she had to go back to Russia. Maybe she was Skyon of, of of the Czar from you know sixty seven years before, and and they wanted to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was a spy. Could be. Maybe um, maybe she was just deported in some sort of strange lost in the pages of time international incident. Yeah. Who knows. So that's one mystery. Why did Miss Christofferson have to go back to Russia? And then the second one, of course, much more creepy. Whatever happened to Casey Kasem? It's true. Yeah. Who knows what happened to his body? Um, the person who replaced her, Heather North, then went on to voice her for many, many years. Yeah, a long time. Very long time. She voiced Daphne up until the uh, zombie island. Um, but it just gives it just lends credence to how sort of nothing of the character she is certainly in this first season that 90% of people would not be able to like would watch could watch the entirety of Scooby-Doo Where Are You all the way through and not tell you that the voice actor changed that's true Daphne that's true whereas you'd recognize it pretty quickly like you know you can easily tell the difference between the Velmas and in in that and the Scooby-Doo show and also the and also when Fred made the switch from you know uh, Mezik to um uh, the guys who, who, when Scooby Doo makes the switch, yeah. When Scooby Doo makes the switch, yeah. you can there, you can kind of tell Messick to to Welker, yeah. Yeah, um, the um, but no, you're right. I mean, I I had no idea that the first series had two different voice actresses mm-hmm. for Daphne. Yeah. Um, huh. How about that? So. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the sawmill. Scooby-Doo gets into semantics with a mirror, finds his reflection to be very funny, 
Um, but while he is messing around in the mirror, both Velma and Shaggy go missing at the same time. Yes, and, and it fades out. You can tell that, that was going to be a commercial break. Yes. He says, Daphne, Shaggy, <gasps> and then... Again, another psych gag that I find very funny is the Velma timing Shaggy. of that. Is like, cause Shaggy goes through the floor and Velma gets dragged off screen or whatever at the same time while Scooby's making funny faces in the mirror. It just, yeah. it's, it look, it's a funny image. Um, and then it leads to one of the best extended... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Scooby-Doo... The, as hero, the, as comedic yeah. hero, the logging sequence is incredible. So funny, but also extremely violent for Scooby Doo. Yes, yes. So Velma's chained to a. I, you know, as I was watching, I was thinking. You know, it's interesting. Most of the time, the villain is really just trying to scare them, posing no physical, no threat. physical threat. I'm just trying to scare you. Get away from this nefarious illegal activity that I have going on that I don't want anybody to know I'm about. Poaching oysters right. or whatever. I right. don't want you to know. And, and this time, Velma's strapped to a log that's going to get sawed in half with her on it. Yes. You know? yes. And, and so she's screaming for help. And uh, and then, of course, you know, um, Scooby-Doo comes over and, and he's trying to figure out how to do something it's, with the chain. It's just so funny, though, because like, he comes in with a saw and Velma's like... Get a bigger saw! <laughs> and comes back with the larger saw and gets into like a tussle with the snow ghost or whatever. Right. Um, then turns into a beaver. Yeah, because she suggests it. <laughs> and he has this thing where he doesn't understand and then and then he go he makes his face look beaverish and you're like, oh, okay. And so he gnaws through the log. Yeah. Right? But their problems are not over yet. No. Because the actual log flume is still in effect so they've survived the saw but now they're both on the log flume going going down down into the icy water and if sawing them in half wasn't enough for this murderous snow ghost who as we've been warned wants to turn them into ghosts here we understand right he then chains lit dynamite to another log and sends it after them right right and then you have this this great bit where scooby takes Velma's glasses because yeah. she and she says, give me back my glasses. And he uses them to look closer at the fuse. Yeah. And sure be like, he knows when oh, you see. oh, this is definitely dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, and then a kind of a classic Scooby-Doo sort of gag winds up his tail mm-hmm. super tight and turns himself into a, a basically a, a motorboat or an engine, you know, and, uh, and they get away from a massive explosion. Yeah. You know, which would have killed them, would have killed them. Um, and then ironically, here's what's kind of strange. So so this, this, I guess the scone ghost is a misogynist because he wants Velma to die. Yeah. Right? But then we learn in the next ep- the next scene that all that he's done to Shaggy is scared him and, and covered him in flour or yeah, something. Yeah. Shaggy is wandering around covered in flour, moaning. They assume that he's dead and has been turned into a ghost by snow ghost because he's all white and right. making ghostly noises. Um but this is not the case. He's just covered in flour. And uh, and the snow ghost shows up again. And another hilarious sack gag is, is Scooby is scared by the ghost Shaggy, cocks him on the head with the mallet, and sends him straight to the floor. Right. right? And then, like, just his little head sticking out. And then when the ghost shows up, Scooby just, his solution is just to put a bucket over his head and run away. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the ghost doesn't seem to know where Shaggy went. Yeah. And then... After that, the, he's chasing the other three, and they dive behind these logs, mm-hmm. and and 
you don't get the impression they're far enough away that they that the ghost didn't hear Fred go, "Hey, quick, jump behind the logs." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he's like, well, "Yeah." Well, as we know, he's a he is a large fat man inside this costume. He probably has gotten pretty tired and worn out at this point, running around in this giant fur suit, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." That's I'm fair. Gonna, That's fair. They don't suspect anything of me. I'm just gonna go away. <laughs> just gonna, gonna take a quick he, breather. He's, he's certainly bipolar. He goes from yeah, murderous exactly. to to. Eh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. um, Daphne it finds out that there are jewels hidden in a hollow log. Right, because we think for a moment she's disappeared, mm-hmm. and but in fact she's turned out to be smarter than the other two she figured out how to hide inside the log yeah. mm-hmm. as opposed to behind the logs um so this is our first clue that maybe something else is going on here um other than the sawdust of course which had the meat market explanation which makes perfect sense this is one of those this is one of those episodes where the 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 very few clues and suddenly i know what's going on exactly yeah. as opposed to other ones where they 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 plot out at a, a pretty good pace, so they get a bunch of clues. But this is one of those where it's like all of a sudden, okay, we got to wrap this up. We spent a lot of time doing the uh, log flume gag. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have another gag here where Shaggy and Scooby are running away from the snow ghost. He's flying, getting a snowmobile. Oh yes, yeah. They wind up going across this frozen lake, and a uh, a sign lands in the back of the, this snowmobile that's covered in snow. And as the snow goes away, Shaggy's reading it, and he's like, Dan. Oh, danger. Danger thin. Danger thin ice. And then immediately they fall into the into the, into the water. Again, quite funny. Mm-hmm. And they wind up, you know, ice cubes with their limbs sticking out. Right. 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 Which, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is the other part of the gag that I thought was fun was the as they're being chased by the ghost, they have these, these moments where Shaggy will say something. Like he'll say, oh, yeah, "Don't be a backseat driver, Scooby," and then they'll hit a bump and they'll switch places. Exactly, so now Scooby yeah. is the driver. Yeah. Then or, they're now they're chasing the snow. Yeah, ghost. he's behind us, and then they yeah. this thing happens where suddenly he's in front of them, and 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 they do you know they do those little play on things, and then of course as you pointed out, they get the the ultimate gag of the danger thin ice, and and now they're this is a it's a very funny episode. It is really the the writers nailed it with this one, I think. Um, they the thin ice gives them an idea of how to catch the snow ghost. Um, what they hatch what I consider to be an incredibly stupid plan, which is they've got Scooby Doo up on a ledge with a bucket of water, and the plan is that the snow ghost is eventually going to come up and he's going to throw the water on him and freeze him into ice, even though he's got a bucket of water, and is just going to wait. Yes. And the ice will freeze once he throws it. Right. It's not going to freeze while it's just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Completely still. Um, which is, in fact, what happens. It actually freezes in midair. Um, and the snow goes, takes this opportunity to use it as like a, a club. And once again, mm-hmm. attempts to murder Scooby-Doo. Right. He's back to his he's back to his homicidal ways. Scooby-Doo is clinging to the snow ghost, literally pleading for his life. Right. Um pretty intense for a kid or whatever um as he's attempting to throw him over the uh, the the gap but scooby-doo is kind of making like a cat and is clinging to him with his various mm-hmm. legs and everything shaggy ends up saving him with a slingshot of a giant snowball which they all get tumbled up in and 
now they have captured the snow ghost. Right, because again, when he pops up out of the snowball, he goes, oh my head, mm-hmm. because it's just too much work to chase exactly. these kids. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's tired of this. At this <laughs> he's point. done. He's like, I'll go to, yeah, I'll go to jail, whatever. <laughs> I need some rest. <laughs> yeah. And then, no surprise, I mean, uh, you know, this is an episode where we have literally... If you don't count the wolf, three options mm-hmm. for who the ghost could be. Yeah, that's true. It could have been the guy in the cave. Could have been. Could have been the guy in the cave, but it but, is in fact the nefarious innkeeper with the diabolical laugh, who actively finds the fact that these kids may die very funny. <laughs> yep, is the one who's been trying to kill them this whole time. Uh, we are treated to whenever the cop shows up, he's explaining their plan, um, which I find. Interesting, which is obviously they're hollowing out these logs, putting jewels in them, right? Right. But they say that they are sending the jewels down the river and across the border. Right. So my question is, across the border to where? Right. And and what river, like as you start to do this, you go, okay, what river, particularly if you assume they're in the United States, mm-hmm. where am I in a mountain that has a river that will float all the way across the border, mm-hmm. Right. And Are they just trying to get them out of Colorado into New Mexico? But, but then <laughs> wouldn't you say state line? Exactly. Right? You wouldn't yeah. say, I mean, I guess you could say border, but but uh, yeah, it, it makes no sense. And, and there's no explanation for how the jewels show up. I mean, they tell well, us that well, he brings he them brings in the bag. Them in, the, in, the, in the thing, yes. Yeah, but we don't know where they're stealing them from, mm-hmm. and we don't know who's fencing them. Yeah. Uh, we get very little of any of that. They've just captured the middlemen in yeah. this in this. This great exactly. crime scheme. Um, we learn that he is able to fly because he's not actually flying, but is instead skiing with transparent plastic skis, which are impossible to see at night. Um, even as a very small child, I was watching this episode going, Excuse me? He's doing what now? Because he was flying. Right, he was way up in the air. He was and and consistent, you know, just self-propelling himself through the air. Right. He was not skiing a, a matter of centimeters above the ground or, you know, going over bumps or whatever to appear as though he was flying. He was flying. Right. And when that begs the question, right? How big are the skis? Cuz if you were to make transparent plastic skis say that were as tall as a table so that you would appear to be three feet in the air. Probably would not ski very well. Probably would not. You'd have to be on such a steep slope to get that much mass moving, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, it's it's the least believable thing. I, I don't know why they didn't want it to go with the old standby of, you know, bat on a wire. Hey, he's on a wire. Projection. You know, I mean, there's, there's all other ways that they have come up with how they flew. I guess I appreciate the creativity of transparent plastic skis also at no point i don't think were they being chased by him at night it was clearly very bright the entire time yes that's that's the other issue with it where it's like you know almost impossible to see at night well wait a minute did this all happen at night because you didn't have flashlights you didn't have torches you know you you, you no headlights on the no headlights on the snowmobiles you just wandered around in the because you're in the middle of nowhere it's going to be dark but that's okay. They they've they captured part of a jewel thief ring. They figured it out, and, and good for them. They're heroes. Thank you, kids. That, exactly. As the, exactly. As the sheriffs always say. 
<laughs> Thank you for doing my job for me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the episode, Dad. So now it is time for your favorite segment, yours and mine. Jinkies or stinkies? Jinkies right? or stinkies, which, of course, I'm going to read you some stuff. If it's true, it's a jinky. If I made it up, it's a stinky. Okay? Yes. The theme, of course, this week is going to be skiing. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Skiing near volcanoes is a popular act amongst thrill seekers. Whether it's the real-life New Zealand volcano that portrayed Mount Doom in the Lord of the Rings movies, or active volcanoes in Iceland, Mount Etna, the most active volcano in Europe, is a popular destination. However, it is only covered in snow a few months out of the year. So what do you do the rest of the time? Well, Claudio Lanzafame, an Italian pro skier, developed a way to ski down the powdery volcanic sand amongst the literally steaming hot vents and jagged outcroppings. If you ask me, it seems dangerous and like something I would not like to do. Is it a jinky or a stinky? I think it's a stinky. It is not. It is true. He skis down land because the powdery volcanic snow or sand is so smooth that it, he's able to do it. So Although in the video, like I watched the video of him doing it, there's literally like smoke coming out of the ground amidst him as he's going down the hill. Yeah, so so what I was going to say is in the same way that I'm not staying at a lodge mm-hmm. where where the guy says, "Hey, by the way, you could get, you know, murdered tonight yes. um or at least killed, I guess." Uh I I'm not sticking around there. Um I'm out on snowing by lava. Yeah. Like one of the few things probably in the world that I'm legitimately like think is very scary. Is lava? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in, in Texas, and so, like, tornadoes don't bother me because I, they've been around a lot. I, I'm not a fan of hail, but, you know, it's not scary. Um, seen a lot of thunderstorms. Haven't been in an earthquake. Haven't had that experience. But Come close to a hurricane, but not quite. Came close to a hurricane before. Um, volcanic eruption seems like it and fire, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's scary stuff because you, you – you, you, ah. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, 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 a liquid river of moltenness mm-hmm. that burns anything in its path. Like, that's genuinely frightening. Yeah. So why would, you t- why would you get on skis mm-hmm. and ski around what is, by definition, unstable ground? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's like, why would you get on thin ice? You know? Yeah. I, that's crazy. That guy's legitimately, I, I, shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't say that he's crazy, but he is certainly some sort of wild adrenaline junkie. Well, wait to hear about this next guy. Robert Fremont, a self-described inventor and mad genius, was an eccentric man from Utah who garnered acclaim in the 1980s when he was featured on ABC's Wild World of Sports when they showcased his pneumatic hockey stick. Addicted to his seven minutes of fame, he went back on the show five years later to show off his latest invention, a pair of rocket-powered skis. He showcased the pair himself, which looked like something out of a 60s B-movie and worked about as well. The skis propelled him forward for about 12 seconds before exploding, blowing his legs clean off in front of the filming crew. The segment, naturally, was never aired. See, I was thinking it was true up until that last part. 
Although, obviously, they wouldn't air the segment, not like they would today. Today, they would trigger warn you and say, you may not want to watch this guy's legs get blown apart, but we're going to show it because, you know, you have a right to know. Um, kind of an uh, oof. Stinky. Yes, I did make that one. Oh, okay. You're good. You know what else almost tripped me up? Was I couldn't figure out if you knew anything about ABC's Wild World of Sports. So, so good on you for having that little bit of truthfulness in it. North Korea is the most isolated and secretive country in the modern world. Despite persistent issues with feeding the nation's population, dictator Kim Jong-un commissioned a luxury ski resort in the mountains. The Korean People's Army built the Masikirong Resort in only 10 months, but despite the speed, it is nonetheless one of the most extravagant resorts in Asia. There's a luxury chateau with indoor pools and nightclubs, as well as an intricately maintained slopes that allow for skiers to hit the slopes alongside massive video billboards that are constantly blasting propaganda. I'm going to say jinkies. That is true. That's a true story. And Dennis Rodman has probably been there. Probably. I, I, it would be kind of um, jarring to ski by, you know, giant billboards, uh, like flash electric anything. flashing anything at you, yeah. much less the face of, of, you know, the supreme leader, the supreme leader, or whatever he calls himself these days, you know, his eminence, um, who's n- not an attractive guy. Yeah. I wonder if they... And, and then whatever is being said in Korean. Yeah. I wonder if they tell you, because, you know, there's the the thing that they tell all of the, cons- the constituents of North Korea, which is that um, the great leader does not need to poop in any way. I wonder if that is... Um, <laughs> that's one of the that's things that's said. Things. <laughs> and, and now I'm picturing there's there's somebody there's somebody in America who's heard this and gone, this isn't a bad idea. We could get sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And so then you're, you know, you're... You're you're skiing down from you know Breckenridge, and there's a big billboard that goes, you know, guts glory ram, yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or or you go, oh, there's a sale at you know, oh, Prime Day is coming up <laughs> in six months, <laughs> Black Friday deals all yeah. around. <laughs> okay, you're halfway through. I'm doing pretty good. Doing I better. Got one wrong. Lassie Savadispak was an Olympic gold medalist in the ski jump for Russia. He also happened to be the Olympian with the highest recorded dosage of steroids at any given time. Turns out he was an avid doper, got away with it year after year because the Russians would pay off the Olympic testers. During the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, Utah, they switched out the testers right before Savadispak's turn without giving the Russians a heads up, causing an accurate reading of 0.89 milligrams of prednisone. Naturally, he was not allowed to compete that year. He was retroactively stripped of his previous accolades. Stinky. It is a stinky. You are correct. All right. And the only reason why I knew, perhaps, is because I was sitting there thinking, this, this is the kind of story that would stick into my brain, not the... Not necessarily the 
the event in 2000. Well, one, I mean, I remember the Salt Lake City Olympics, but and I don't remember this happening, but uh, since it didn't happen, obviously, but um, but the being able to fake it for so long and then have it retroactively stripped, that's the kind of uh, detail that would stick in my brain and go, oh, that, that's interesting that that happened. So, anyway, not that I need to explain to you how I got there, but good job, though. It's, it's very believable. Jesper is one of the most famous Norwegian outdoor enthusiasts. He can hike, swim, and most importantly, ski. But what makes him special as opposed to everyone else who can do those things? Well, Jesper is a cat. He has his own little harness and rides on a single ski in front of his owner who leads him for small bursts. He has millions of followers on Twitter and is frankly adorable. Skiing cat. Did I make that up? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, what's the cat's name again? Jesper. Jesper. I'm going to go Jinkies. That is a Jinky. It's true. All right. See, that time I included a very little information. Right. To see if I would trip you up then without uh, padding it out. Right. This seems like the kind of thing a person would do mm-hmm. is spend time making training their cat, their cat training their cat to ski. He's got followers, does he? Lots yeah. of them. Yeah, I'm sure it is very precious. Did you see a picture of Jesper? What kind of cat is he? It's a Norwegian long hair. Okay. I don't really... Yeah, I was going to say, you, I could have said anything and you would have been like, oh, okay. No, they're brown. Brown. Long hair. Okay. I only recognize like three breeds of cats, so... Yeah. <laughs> Last one. One of the most famous sequences in any of the James Bond films, and my personal favorite... Is the ski chase in For Your Eyes Only. Filmed on location in the Alps, the Cortina di Ampezzo gave the stunt team two weeks total with which to practice and film the entire sequence. The stunt team ideally needed two months, or a bare minimum of six weeks, to get it down pat, but naturally, since the ski season is a limited window, the resort refused to give up prime operating months to the filming crew. So they decided to go rogue and practice the stunt in a guerrilla style changing up outfits every day and working through the sequence in small chunks. Eventually, however, they got a little overzealous and attempted to practice some of the downhill mountain biking whilst other skiers were on the slopes. They were arrested by the local authorities and were almost barred from filming at the resort at all until the studio sent Roger Moore himself down to apologize and pay the stuntman's bail. do love that scene. Me too. Um, I am going to say stinky. I did make it up. It's, it's excellent, though. It's very believable. It's the kind of nonsense that Bond films can do. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, uh, it is hands down, perhaps, the best. Maybe not. I don't know if it's the best, but it is It is way up on the list. Um, it's certainly the best part of that movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Without question. But, uh, um, well... You know what's left to do, Dan? Uh, if I remember the pattern of the podcast, it's time to rate the episode. It's time to rank the episode on the official heavy metal tier list. There are, of course, five tiers, starting from the bottom. It's the Rut Row tier, Scooby Dumb, Just Another Mystery, Groovy, and at the very top is the Golden Scoob tier. Dad, I will let you decide. 
Well, it's it's definitely not one of the bottom two. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a it's not a rut row, and it's not a uh, it's not a Scooby Dumb. Um, it uh, and I would also say it is not a Golden Scoop. Interesting. As memorable as it is, um, it it it's got great bits. It's miss what it's missing is a true red herring. Mm-hmm. Like it never really throws you off the scent. Like as soon as the guy starts laughing, or an iconic villain, or an iconic villain, you're you're missing, you know those those. And as a result, the the way the mystery plays out um, is not. Uh, it's just not as memorable. It's not as like minor forty nine er would be a better example of one that you know does a better job of all that. I. I do want to say though that I think it's second tier. Yeah, I would uh, agree because I mean it's just it's simply so funny. Like it, it, all of the bits are really really good. Yeah, the the visual bits, whether it's the, um, all of them, the the chase scene with the the ghosts uh, between Shaggy and Scoob, where they're you know going back and forth and they're on the ski jump. The uh, the um, even the small ones like the wolf wanting its bone back, they all land. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all done really well. So um, it's better than just another another mystery. So that puts it where what's that's the, the groovy tier. It is definitely groovy. Yeah. Um, and 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 you remember it. You know, it's not it's not a forgotten one. So uh, yeah. so now that's definitely where I would put it. I'm gonna agree with you. I think that's a perfect place for it. Um, generally speaking this point i ask my guests if they have anything they want to plug but you are an old man who does not have public social media or anything like that so what i will do instead dad i'll ask you if you have any advice life advice as a as a world worldly man who has lived a lot of life what have you got for our millions of listeners of the heavy metal podcast I am putting you on the spot. You are. I do you are. I was, I was all ready to say, well, I have a, a Twitter, but I don't tweet, so there's no point in following me. And, uh, you know, and I don't I do not do anything that's, that's followable. Um, I, I would say a couple – it is true that I've, I've lived a, a, as long as Scooby pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's a couple things that, that – uh, that come to mind. Um, one of them is, and part of this is from my own lived experience, but also having the opportunity through the years to speak to some older people. Um, nothing is nearly as important usually as it seems in the moment, um, long term. Uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff that we get caught up in in the in the middle of it, and it feels like it's the end of the world. Um, whether it's losing a job or, you know, relationship issues or illnesses or, you know, or even just, hey, I was in traffic today for for two hours. Um, The vast majority of it is really not that important long term. Uh, Certainly not as important as things that really matter, like, you know, the people that you care about in your life and and your friends and your family, um, your faith, that sort of stuff. And so, so one bit of advice would be spend less time worrying about that and try to, f- there's something positive and good and beautiful every day. 
if you if you give yourself permission to look for it and uh, and in general it'll make you a happier person um and so there's that um and then the the second thing is um is really just try to enjoy again a variation on it part of what i was just saying um there's a there's a good reason to get out of bed every day and there's there's always something to find joy in um life is life is really a beautiful gift and uh, and it's worth um living as most of it as you can and living it well and we're in a little less um so so there you go that's that's the advice i would give well thank you i thought that was lovely and very um very well said um I, for one, have no advice to give, but I do have a Twitter. You can follow me at the Real Brundine on Twitter. You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod on Twitter as well. Subscribe to the RSS feed if you would like to hear more. It is a weekly show and covers every facet of Scooby-Doo. Um, if you do like the show, the number one thing you can do is tell your friends and family. Recommend it to other people you know who might be interested because it is very much a niche program. Um, but in general, I just have to say thank you for listening. Um, because, you know, you made it this far. It means a lot. Thank you very much once again to my wonderful father, whom I love and adore, for joining me on this silly little show that I've made. Um, it's a joy to have you, Dad. And I'm very glad that you agreed to do this. And then... As always, for all you meddling kids out there, remember to stay groovy. Ooh, ooh,